The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. Welcome to the Boys of Tech. This is episode 205 for Monday the 18th of March 2013. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm joined over Skype by our most regular panellist, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Howdy. How are you this week? Pretty good, pretty good. Your introduction does make it seem like I'm, you know, well scheduled for the bathroom. I eat a lot of fibre is what you're telling people. <laughs> Why did my intro make it make it sound like that? <laughs> because I'm the most regular. Oh, <laughs> I get what you're saying. I was thinking, what it words do I use? Me of those better Musil adverts. <laughs> <laughs> I drink Musil because it helps keep me regular. Keep, <laughs> helps keep you regular. Oh, good one. Yes, okay. Well, maybe I'll have to change my intro yes, future. It's a high-fibre diet. Helps, <laughs> helps keep me podcasting. Uh, brought to you by Kellogg's Special K. <laughs> that was a free, we just did a free ad then. Indeed. Should indeed. I let Kellogg's know? I would have gone for Just Right because I prefer that over standard. Oh, do you? Actually, yeah, I must admit, I, I, like, I quite like Just Right as well. Mm. It's a little bit of apricot. Just a fan of the apricot. You know what? There's, you can buy this stuff called uh, crunchy crunchy clusters, I think they're called. But they're incredibly nut clusters? Yeah, or something like that. And they're incredibly sweet. So what I do is I put one part of that to two parts of plain cornflakes. Mm, and it yeah, just takes yeah. the – it's, honestly, it's just sickly sweet otherwise. Well, that's what I used to do with Cocoa Pops. You mix Cocoa Pops and cornflakes. Oh, okay. I See, I've done that with rices. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I guess you could do it with cornflakes or any other cereal for that matter. Indeed, other other products are available. Man, I'm hungry. I'm I'm quite hungry now. <laughs> time, time for breakfast. I could do a bowl of just right right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll do that after the sh- we'll do that after the uh, podcast. How's that? <laughs> All right, I wanted to kick off this week with Twitter announcing that it's going to launch a music service. What, what what's the date, Ed? I just want to be sure that this isn't the April 1st show. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's. I was thinking... Like, how many stories do we have to read about people launching music services? I, 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 I know, <laughs> I know. I know. I think they got a press release and went, uh, find and replace, insert old name, replace with Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone's doing a, a music service now. Apparently. Apparently. Everybody's- maybe, we should, maybe the boys of tech should do that. The boys of tech music service. Download your track. Yeah, yeah, but seeing as even the big name, um, you know, music services on the internet are not really raking in the the cajillions that that they probably first thought they would. No, I suspect a a, a small number are making a good amount of money, and the rest aren't. I don't think making much at all. Mm. But yeah, I think uh, you know, Twitter. This is going to be available first of all only on iOS, though initially on iOS, I should say. So a, a Twitter music app. It's basically yeah, exactly. It's basically a Twitter music app, and I, I think it's it's streaming, isn't it? From what I understand. 
Yeah, yeah. It's streaming through a different music service. So it's, I think, through SoundCloud. It's a German music sharing service. It's going to be powering the streaming music for this app. I know SoundCloud well. And are they like, did Twitter buy them? Or have they just signed a deal with, with Twitter? No, SoundCloud are separate. There's a, just a deal with SoundCloud. Uh-huh. It must be uh, quite a lucrative deal, I'd say. Must be. But uh, they did acquire, Twitter did acquire We Are Hunted. Ah, music discovery. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, SoundCloud is simply providing the, the platform. And uh, right now they're probably- and probably all the licenses for streaming music. Yeah, and I was going to say, probably right now they're, they're frantically uh, buying new hardware to upgrade and uh, increase capacity. Because, uh, well, you know, with Twitter on board, once this goes... Oh, indeed. You know, but... Uh, Twitter's got quite a... There, there are quite a few people who use Twitter, you know? <laughs> you don't, do you, Brett? No, I don't. I'll leave that for you. You do, don't you? You do that very well. <laughs> indeed. But, yeah, no, the, th- the thing with... Uh... Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Hang on. If you're going to forget something, don't forget by halves. <laughs> well, I've forgotten. Well, I've done it well then. I've done a good job. Indeed. I've done, I've done a Brett. by hole. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I must admit, you haven't done these forgetful things for a while. You used to. <laughs> you used to stop halfway through. Blah, 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 stop. What? I've forgotten. Yeah, well, I haven't gotten into anything to really rant about. It's the rants where my mouth goes faster than my brain. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> that too, probably. It's or funny, if I'm distracted by something. I'll tell you what, while we're um, thinking about what what that last thought was, I went and saw Russell Peters uh, during the week mm-hmm. in Auckland. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Very, very, very funny guy. Basically side-splitting laughter nonstop for almost an hour and a half. Awesome. My cheeks were sore too. <laughs> and and you know he's 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 Indian he's Canadian Indian he's a Canadian yep. citizen but he's of India's parents are from India and you know so a lot of his jokes are are kind of Indian based and I was sitting I was sandwiched between two groups of Indians in fact there were lots of Indians there. I don't know why but you know the the Indians come in thousands to see this guy and. I don't know, probably half, I think one in every two, something like that, were Indian. And, I, and they were laughing at all these Indian jokes, and I'm like, I'm laughing too, probably for slightly different reasons, because I don't, <laughs> I don't know whether they see the joke in the same way. Yeah, you know? indeed. But yeah, it's, it's hilarious. That's <laughs> good. Anyway, where, where was I? I have no idea what I was talking about. SoundCloud? We were talking about SoundCloud. We are talking about Twitter on oh, the music service. That's right. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that uh, Twitter users, uh, are there commenting on, on music? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of music chatter on, on uh-huh. Twitter. And, and strangely enough, I, I get the feeling, I don't know if anyone's got any stats to back this up, but I get the feeling that there's a high proportion, higher than, than the average, of Apple device users, Apple users. Apple and iOS seems to be over represented on Twitter. And it got to the point where at one point I actually thought that, uh, yeah, at one stage that Twitter was sort of aimed at, you know, sort of the Apple market. But I just, I, yep. I don't know. I just think Apple users seem to have adopted it. And I, well, for once whatever it reason. Came, you know, once Apple got rid of all of the Google interaction within it and started putting all of the, the Twitter interaction directly within it and Facebook oh, yeah. directly within it, 
um, you started getting this sort of stuff. Yeah, but it was even before that. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, actually, that since the Twitter integration that into the know, OS. Yeah, an upsurge in it. That, that helped. Yeah, no, the, you, you're right. That would have. Uh, but even, but this is this goes back to, you know, to before that when I was using Twitter thinking, why is everyone on here or, you know, two out of three people on here an Apple user? Where am I? Am I in the sort of Apple, is Twitter an Apple fan club or something? But anyway, uh, so what I was going to say about that was, you know. That's I, just the areas you hang out in, Ed. <laughs> oh, that's what it'll be. It'll be people I follow, right? Yeah. Now, now I should have worked this out years ago. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense for, for Twitter to be doing this and concentrating on iOS to start with because I think mm. that's kind of, it seems to be a, a big portion of the user base. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, Brett, everyone seems to be bringing out a, a, some music service. Is this Yeah, what's going to make crowded? this one different and what's going to make this one actually work? Because, you know, we've talked about how Twitter is, has been thinking of ways to monetize its user base and this is obviously one of the ways they're thinking that they might monetize their music, their user base. We'll wait and see. You're well. You'll be the one to tell, because <laughs> you're the one who uses Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Although, as as I mentioned on this podcast before, I'm not really a big fan of. Um, oh, not that I'm not a big fan. I'm just not a uh, a music streaming service consumer. So I don't yeah, know. Whether I'll try this out. Neither. I I I don't want to always have to be chewing through my bandwidth to listen to music. Well, you know, I have I'm, that enough with my YouTube habit. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean. You know, you mentioned this before. You like to buy and own tracks and keep them forever, right? Yeah, so yeah, that I see, can use them wherever I am. Yeah, see, I'm the, I'm the same. It. I'm the same. So, you know, unless it's a download service, I'm, I'm unlikely to use it. Although, yeah. you know what? I might try it out and do a bit of a review on it when it when it comes out and see how it goes. The thing that this is supposed to be able to do is you're supposed to be able to, um, you know, interact with, with artists and, you know, tweet and respond and stuff like that and, and tweet well, music. And, well, because it's a music discovery service that, you know, that we are hunted app part that Twitter has bought that has been developing this. It is all about you follow an artist and through this service you can get their biography and listen to songs from their from the their list, recommend songs to friends, get songs which others have said is in a similar genre or of to the artist that you're following so that you can learn about new artists in that style. Learn, you know, if that artist has got an upcoming concerts, has a new album coming out, new single release, that sort of thing. That's kind of what I think this is going to be. So it's kind of that integrated music environment through who you follow and what you follow on Twitter. It'll be interesting to, to follow this, no pun intended, because I know there's a million and one different music services and they all do try to put a different spin on, you know, different, you know, yeah. uh, Ang they come at the to the marketplace with a different angle or different um what do you call it? They, yeah, point of, they, point of difference is the word I'm looking for. You yeah, know, but they try to give themselves a point of difference, but, but it's sometimes you look at them and the point mm. of dist the point of difference is so so minor and so very much a marketing gimmick that the underlying actual service is the same as as um the dime a dozen that we've had in the past. Now, Brett, I did realise I, I said I might sign up to this and do a bit of a review. I might need to uh, point out that it'll probably be another seven or eight years before this comes to New Zealand. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, that that's out. 
<laughs> well, you never know. By then, you might actually have an iPhone. What I'm saying is that they'll probably regionalize it and put it, you know, US. Oh yeah, definitely. It will. It will definitely be like that. Oh, I see what you're what saying. I'm by saying by then, is, so seven, yeah, okay. then, yeah, in seven or eight years' time, when it's finally been regionalized <laughs> yeah, that's right. to New Zealand, you might actually have a smartphone that can run it. Yeah, true. And it'll probably be more than just iOS by then too. Mm, probably. Or it will have fallen over completely. Well, yeah, yeah. one of two things, exactly. Well, let's revisit this in about uh, 400 episodes' time. I think that's about seven <laughs> years' worth. See whether or not it still exists or whether or not it is a, a brief footnote in the history of online music. That's right. <laughs> Which I believe is, is, is the same as um, one of the people who's involved with the We Are Hunted. He made a quote somewhere in there that, that this is either going to take off or it's going to be another blip in the, the footnote. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, they, I think they were talking about themselves. The, yeah, the yeah, company. yeah, yeah, yeah. Company. That's right. So th- this deal will <laughs> either make their company really big or, yeah, that'll be the end of them. Yeah. Now, speaking of smartphones, Samsung announced a brand new phone, didn't they? What are they going to release? Oh, well, what have they got so far? They've got the, the Galaxy S, Gal- the S2s being, we've got the S3. If we're going along the same lines as the iPhone, what would this next version be? Well, actually, it'd probably be the 3S, wouldn't it? Yeah, the 3 or SG3S or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Or they would just drop the number altogether and it would just be called the, the, the Galaxy S. Yeah, the Galaxy S. <laughs> the new because, you know, Galaxy but to S. reboot it when you, when you come out with a new device, because otherwise people think, oh, it's just another version I've got to buy. Uh, no. <laughs> it is the Samsung Galaxy S4. Now, this has been quite highly anticipated, right? Massively highly anticipated. The hype that's been behind it has been almost Apple in um, its, you know, pervasiveness and it's, it's getting in there leading up to the, the release and the announcement of the, the S4. And it's got some neat features and some other features which are, are interesting and, and kind of cool, but also when you actually think about kind of creepy. Okay, tell me about the creepy stuff then. What, what's? Oh, the creepy stuff is is intimately tied with, with some of the coolest stuff of this phone. So one of the big things that's coming out with this this new phone is gesture controls. But I'm not talking about gestures when we think about gestures with touchpads and with the iPad and with the iPhone. You know, you put your fingers on it, you do a gesture. This is you wave your hand and do things in front of it. Ah, and- like the Connect. Exactly. And it's watching you and registering it. So, you know, you can scroll through web pages, scroll through music, adjust the volume, that sort of thing by waving your hand in a gesture in front of the phone instead of touching it. So, you know, you're eating your KFC or you've just finished chowing down on your burger and it's covered, your hand's covered in grease, your phone's sitting there. You can just wave your hand near it to skip to the next song. Now, that is cool. And you know what? What you just said there reminds me of episode 10 of this podcast, episode 10 of The Boys of Tech. The title is Keep Your Greasy Pizza Fingers Off My Screen. Exactly, exactly. And this is this is the, the what they've, you know, the kind of the way it's going to address this sort of thing. But it also, you know, is massive flashes of science fiction movies where you've got the science fiction computer interfaces. Minority Report is a brilliant example of this. It is a guy standing in front of a virtual screen, moving his hands around, gesturing to control the devices and move screens just off, dragging stuff around, all that sort of stuff, doing it all gesturally. The creepy part is when you think about the fact that this means that your phone is watching you all the time. 
it's not that the camera is off when you're not using it, not taking a photo or not doing that. That camera will always be on and always watching. Because not only does it is it about this new gestural control system, but it's also facial recognition and eye tracking. If you're watching some media on your phone, if you look away, the phone will pause it for you because you're not watching it anymore. It'll dim the screen if you have it, if nobody's been looking at the phone for too long. Well, that is actually really good. But, you know, as you said, uh, it's really cool, but still super creepy because. <laughs> <laughs> watching you constantly. So if the phone was hacked do, do, or malware was installed, do you think... There's no way for you to know because, you know, now most phones will have a, a little light or something which indicates that it's on or, you know, the app will be running which is showing yeah. that the camera's mm. on. With this, the camera will always be on and if your phone has been hacked or if, you, you know, you've got a, a jailbroken phone and you're downloading all kinds of stuff off the web and you've got some malware on your phone, you've... <laughs> Somebody else could be watching you always. So, so is this is this feature? This is new. Still creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit creepy in that in that respect. But you know, is what you've talked about there is that pretty much new in the world of smartphones? Is this the fir- first smartphone to be able to to do this? Well, I know that they had a software update for um, the the S three which had the, the eye tracking to dim the screen when you weren't looking at it. But this whole gestural control, I've not heard about in any other phone launches. Uh, but it's not in any track, you know, roadmaps that I've seen for, for the iPhone, for instance, or the iPad, this mm. gestural control without touching the actual touch interface itself. So, so Samsung are leapfrogging Apple here. Yeah, in this... In this um, Actual user interface, yeah. Because that was always Apple's strong point. They would bring out user interactions um, for the, the y- biggest thing. Yeah, exactly. UI was was their thing. Yeah, a leapfrog from that, but it's so directly off of science fiction. Science fiction has been doing this stuff for years. This is actually they've worked out, you know, or actually put the time and effort into doing it with a device. Now I know that you can get you, you've been able to for for many years get apps. For the uh, for the Apple platform, and I, I think this includes phones as well. That and, and in fact, one of the people we had on this very show, his name escapes me, but he he developed Chopper and Chopper Two, which was the yeah. highest selling game at one point on on the iTunes oh. Store. And God, that game drained my battery though. <laughs> Did it? Now the graphics the graphics are, are you know three D and quite intensive, and so it, it drains the battery of my iPhone pretty pretty fast when I play it. <laughs> it is a good game, though, isn't it? Uh, David Frampton was his name. Yeah. And look, he, we didn't talk figures, but I did some calculations based on some clues and, and other figures I picked up from various news stories, and I'm pretty sure he's made his seven-digit fortune on that. Awesome. So, oh, I, you know, over the, you know, all the versions and, you know, the two versions and, the, and iOS and Mac. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, so he, he developed part of the, some of the stuff that he developed, and I think this is free actually from memory, is an app, and this is years ago we're talking, an yeah. app that lets you gesture your songs, you know, to navigate your songs in iTunes by waving yeah. in front of the, uh, you know, in front of the camera. So you just, you know, in- wave to the left or wave to the right. Why have I not seen that anywhere else? Uh, there must be, I'm sure there are others for Windows, surely. There must be. I, I'm sure there must be. In my field, I've, I've worked with all kinds of control systems, which are all about, you know, having a camera tracking oh, your movement. Oh, yeah. 
are interfacing with the computer. But nothing in this this mobile market. When we interviewed him on episode 91, I think it was, in November 2010, shortly after that episode, because he, he told us about this, uh, I think on the episode, about the software to navigate through iTunes by gesturing in front of the camera. And shortly after that episode, probably the next day, I downloaded that, that app. I forget what it's called now. And I tried it out and it was kind of cool. And it worked okay. It was it was usable. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. Nothing's perfect, especially you know when you're talking about you know camera gestures. That nothing's perfect, but it was it was good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm surprised that you haven't come across others like that. I, I would have thought there would be others. Well, yeah, there would have been something well talked about with the iPhone having that sort of gestural control. Now remember, of course, this is an app though, whereas what we're talking about with Samsung is that this is going to be built into the phone itself. This this is from Samsung itself. Yeah. So it's not an app that you buy, it's all part of of the phone. What else is there? What else is new and and cool Uh, in this phone? It's going to have a slightly bigger screen, uh, a 5-inch full HD Super AMOLED screen. How do you pronounce that acronym? I've always called it an AMOLED, but I have no idea what the real pronunciation should be. I don't know. AMOLED. AMOLED? AMOLED? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've never <laughs> never known how to pronounce that one. Uh, so will the, I wonder if the phone itself will be bigger because, you know what, the, the Samsung... The, f- the phone itself does look to be... S- to be bigger, well, obviously it's got to fit a five-inch screen instead of a four-point-three. Yeah, but uh, if the edge is thinner, I was thinking because you know the I, their phones it are nice. It does look like a thinner edge. Their phones are nice, but I tell you what, they're a little on the big side. Mm. A little bit. Well, this is kind of, I guess, they think people like having a bigger phone, uh, a bigger device, but not a tablet-sized device, which I guess explains the the popularity of the the mini tablets. That are you know, that uh, out there uh, now, the seven-inch seven inch models of everything <laughs> that you can get. That's right. I saw someone the other day talking on their phone, and it, honestly, I thought I was back in the 80s again because they're holding this massive I white know, device. It, it was like, hang on. So inter- it's so <laughs> hilarious, yeah. Was, and I can't remember if it was, was an somebody iPhone. Somebody was looking on one of the Nexus 7s. Yeah, see, I don't know what massive it, thing. Yeah, I, I know. huge flip-top case. I'm like, my God, we've, we've, we're going backwards. <laughs> Full circle, I know. Back to the 80s when you've got these massive devices up to your head. Um, obviously for different reasons, completely different reasons. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, either way, it's, it's still the same thing. You're holding this massive device up to your face. Yeah, it, it went from becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. And then as soon as cell phones went from being mobile phones to being smartphones, they've gone, oh, the the tiny the tiny cell phone is not a good interface for a smart device. We've got to make it bigger so you can so it's easier to interact with, and so it we've taken this revolutionary step backwards to going from miniaturization to bigger <laughs> mixturization. Mixturization that just doesn't sound right. Can we? It's make- got to be a. What is the opposite of miniaturization? Uh, maximization? But no, it can't be because you can maximize the miniature because you're maximizing the miniaturization. I don't know. Words. Words, words, words. I don't know. But yeah, look. Yeah, the, we're going we, in the opposite direction. We're making our phones bigger because they're more, they're merging those. It's a phone, 
but it's mostly a media consumption device. Yeah. And yeah. they've got to be slightly bigger. Now, would you uh, be considering... Another thing that's got big, um, big on it is it now features a whopping 13 megapixel rear camera. Wow. That's more and, than my camera. <laughs> my, still, my single yeah, function yeah, my, camera. More than my incredibly expensive Sony Cybershot was. <laughs> wow. Now, of course, as, as, as a lot of photographers will tell us, number of pixels is certainly not the only thing that, that counts at all. In fact, if lens. anything, the lens would be more important. Lens is far more important than your megapixels. Yep. You can do some amazing things with really high quality glass and a seven megapixel camera, which would blow the resolution of this 13 megapixel thing away. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, more pixels are also better, but it's oh, not the only thing. You scrunch things down better. Now, Brett, would you consider one of these phones? Um, I would, but I'm not in the market for a phone because my phone works fine. Right. <laughs> but when, when, you, when it is time, well, if it was time, if it were time now that you know your phone's playing up, it's, it's no good, would you get another iPhone or would you go for something like a Galaxy S4? I would. Oh, that is hard. That is a tough. It would be an incredibly tough decision. Before I bought my iPhone, it would have been an easy peasy choice. It would have been, hell's yes, I'll go for the, the Samsung Galaxy S4 when my, my phone died. But unfortunately, when, and this is one of the, the, the kind of sneaky, sneakinesses of Apple, but also one of the geniuses of their marketing, is once you're in their environment, you are pretty much bound to that environment. But how hard would it really be to, to take stuff across? I mean, all of these apps and things which run on iOS. Oh, the apps, yeah. You know, I, I, I have spent several hundred dollars in the app store. Yeah, so you've got an investment there, haven't you? I, indeed, for, for my... Now, that would be the same though going the other way, wouldn't it? So people who have started out on Android and spent whatever dollars on yep. apps yep. wouldn't really want to go... But they Windows or, or iPhone, and, would they? Well, because Android is a, a more open environment, you could have probably gotten free free things to do most of the things that you would have paid for on iOS. There's way more software on iOS. Surely you'd find more free stuff there too. Yeah, you find a lot of free stuff, but it, it's really incredibly basic, incredibly locked down versions of things. For instance, you want to find a decent X-term program for iOS, you're looking at paying like 13 to 16 bucks. And there's no free one. Well, that's like the priciest sorts of apps. I've never bought anything that was more than $7. Yeah. But a good terminal app, you're, you're looking at quite an investment on an iOS device. And I'm pretty sure you probably find somebody's whipped up an, an open source based on putty, probably, a, a terminal app for Android and just put it out there. Because that's what that kind of open source community does. Whereas iTunes, I see as very much a monetized service to get your goods. You, right, you so it might be easier going the other way is what you're saying. All of your free stuff is limited trial light versions that aren't as good or severely limiting to the, the actual full pay-for version. Right. So if you started on an Android yep. device and you, you spent a lot less, say, on apps because a lot of them were, were free, 
it wouldn't be such you know you you don't have an investment to lose there if you were going to consider an iOS device, right? You wouldn't have as much. There would still be some. Right. There would still be some, but I don't think it would probably be as much as once you've bought into the iOS environment. Now, have we now by the way, in New Zealand for for our New Zealand <laughs> listeners, the S4 is apparently going to be available from major mobile retailers by the end of June. Mhm. Of course, no pricing has been uh, has been announced. No, I never do. Uh, you know that's the way it is. Uh, yes, yeah, so I guess we'll find out when it when it comes to market. World, and then once it's in New Zealand, there will be a markup on there because uh, we're in New Zealand. Yes, one of the most expensive countries in the world, it seems. Indeed, e- even to download stuff, which I which I always thought was hilarious. Australia and New Zealand, we pay we pay more to download data over the internet when we buy it than if we had bought it and downloaded it in another country. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not good. It is it is like they've oh, that's New Zealand. New Zealand's in that region that's expensive to ship to. Uh so we put in this extra margin. Yeah, but, no, exactly. But putting it on your server and we're downloading it. It's not costing captive market though, you know. No. That's the thing. All right. Anyway, speaking of uh, downloading stuff from stores, the <laughs> the Apple iOS App Store wasn't using HTTPS until only very recently. <laughs> I was. How bad is that? For that. Yeah, it's terrible, I'm isn't it? So shocked. And it's Apple like, were told of this months ago. It, it is the most basic basic of security things is if you want a secure if you're doing any sort of exchange over the internet you use https over the web absolutely not over the internet over absolutely. the web because there was in fact there was a video that demonstrates an attack a man in the middle attack where you can fake updates push to your you know to your phone or your, your iOS device by sitting in the middle there yeah, yeah. So to be honest, I'm, I'm I'm a bit dumbfounded, and I don't know what to say because you've said it. I mean, it, it's so basic. Why weren't they use? Why weren't they doing this from day one? I, I have no idea. I some stuff like this really astounds me with Apple. Yeah. How do they get away with that? They never talk about it. Because you know, people, they, people have raised this a while ago. And thing about security, you you never hear about it. If I've uh, read this correctly, this was reported to Apple back in July last year. Exactly. It has taken them more than six months to have an update that addresses it. That's ridiculous. Yep. But anyway, the good news is, good news is now it's fully HTTPS, uh, you know, um, it goes over HTTPS now. That is still in the, um, the finger quotes stage of fully. There are still indications in the report that was put out by the person who did the, the, you know, who talked about the security flaws and the update. There are still unanswered questions in there about some of the wording of it that may indicate that the full is not not completely done. It's not completely secure yet. So this is a a step towards secure, you know, a step towards proper security for a service that should have proper security, but their work isn't over yet. They've still got a ways to go. They still got weaknesses in their, okay. in their protection that have been identified, so Come on Apple. Come on Apple. Yeah, you can do better than that. 
Indeed. Now, speaking still on the the subject of uh, apps, especially mobile apps, interestingly enough, and rather not surprisingly, Adblock Plus has been blocked, ironically, from Google Play. That's interesting. Yeah, and we know why, right? Because because Google's an advertising is company. The, the, yeah, it's the, the largest advertising provider but on you know, the internet. <laughs> but you know what I find surprising is that Chocolate Factory, the outfit that makes Adblock Plus, calls the move surprising. That's what surprises me. It's not surprising. Of course Google's going to block it. Oh, indeed. Especially when they... um. The the reason they gave for blocking Adblock Plus and other ad blocking apps from the store is due to interference with another service or product in an unauthorized manner. You can read between the lines there saying this stops us gathering ad revenue. But this there I I can see where they're coming from with saying the surprising move, because Google the Google Play Store allows you to sell apps or still provides apps that indicate that they are for rooted phones. This is an app for your rooted phone. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, and obviously apps that work on rooted phones are apps that are able to do things in unauthorized ways. But I think the difference here is the fact that apps that work on rooted phones are able to do stuff on the phones in unauthorized ways. Whereas an ad blocking program on the phone interferes with a Google service in an unauthorized right, way. Okay, it, it, yeah, a, Google have a vested interest, obviously. Indeed, in Google have a vested interest in removing ad blockers or preventing ad blockers from running on smartphones, but they don't have an invested interest in stopping other apps from running on rooted phones. Do you know what Google should do? They should write an ad blocker blocker to block ad blockers from Google Play automatically. <laughs> How's that? Well, they probably have. It's probably a new algorithm in the Maybe. Uh, application approval process. <laughs> it it looks at your Google's app, ad blocker it blocker your, at work. Your app, all of the description of your app, and it then has a brief look through the code of your app to see what it does. And if at any point it references advertisement and Google ads, uh, it goes, nope. <laughs> now, this you, one of our services. You tell me, do you run an ad blocker or any ad blocking system? Um, actually, no, I don't. I run pop-up blockers, but I don't run anything that blocks in-page advertising. Okay. Uh, mainly because it doesn't actually bother me too much because I don't click on it and you can tell if it's advertising and if it's a website that blatantly puts advertising like horribly in front of you that you can't get away from, um, I don't use the site. What about just the fact that it's distracting? So you're reading a story and there's a, a square in the middle of the article that you've got to read around. Does that, does that uh, not bother you? That whatsoever. I just scroll past it. See, I you used know, to... me are the ones that are in the middle but are either Java Interactive or Flash Interactive that when you scroll past them, they like open up. Oh, Those yeah, yeah. I hate and most yeah, of the websites I go to don't put those sorts of ones in the middle. Yeah, the ones like that are in your face. that I go to have adverts that you have to scroll past. You know, it says story continues after advert and then you scroll past the block with the advert in it. They don't, no, I, I find there's nothing wrong with them at all. It's not like TV ads where it pretty much stops you and takes your time. This takes, what, 
a microsecond for me to scroll past distracts me in no way whatsoever unless it's one of those stupid ones which unroll when my scroll wheel goes faster, the mouse goes faster. Yeah, you know, I used to uh, have a, a modified hosts file which had, you know, a whole pile of hundreds and hundreds of of uh, DNS entries for ad servers. Yeah. Uh, I And when I upgraded the computer, I never carried that across. So I don't at the moment, but I know a lot of people do surf the net with ad blockers because they find ads oh, really annoying. I rarely visit a, a website which has any kind of intrusive ad presence that I can't just ignore. And I, I also know that a lot of websites rely on advertising revenue. I'm not going to click on any of the adverts, but they can show them to me. Actually, no, that is incorrect. I have actually clicked on an advert once. What, to keep the site alive or because you were interested in something? No, because I was actually interested in it. It was an advert for a new Aston Martin and it was so pretty I had to click on it. (laughs) That's exactly the kind of people they want. You know, I must admit, I've clicked on on an ad or two as well. (laughs) I don't think I'm exactly the kind of people they want to click on the advert. I can't afford a new Aston Martin. (laughs) Yeah, but but Brett, in decades to come... no, in Go decades on. to come, you're going to remember that ad and you're going to remember the name, you're going to remember Aston Martin and you're going to, it's going to stay with you. And when you make your millions, you will go out and buy that Aston Martin and not the Lamborghini or something. Oh, I was already going to do that anyway. You know, James Bond <laughs> took me on Aston Martin product placement. Oh, right, I see. Yes. <laughs> oh, we can only but dream. Now, Brett, that is pretty much it for the international stories, but I do have one funny prank story. Well, I don't know if it's a prank, but some are calling it a prank. Not really a prank. It's, a, it's an incredibly hilarious slip-up. Either that or it is a prank. We don't know. We don't know. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about that. That's uh, in the New Zealand section right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, DPS, which is one of the larger providers of FPOS solutions, by the way, I know I'll just stop there a second and explain to our international listeners, if we've still got any left in this section of the podcast, that FPOS stands for Electronic Fund Transfer at Point of Sale. It's basically the the Point of Sale units where you put your credit cards through. That's what we call them in New Zealand. We call them FPOS. Not necessarily your credit card, any bank card. Or any debit card for that matter. Yeah, credit or don't have to use credit cards. In fact, it's cheaper not to. That's right. You're absolutely right. Credit or debit. Okay. Anyway, so some of these units, these FPOS units, started showing Herp Derp FPOS in place of the business name. <laughs> and it's obviously taken from the internet meme, right? Mm-hmm. So what is this? Is this a prank or what? The official line is that it's because it's on new terminals that have been deployed that this Herp Derp is appearing, is that they were sent out with a developer's tests um, firmware on them. So it's got, got herp derp in it. <laughs> the, the thing that bothers me then, because here's the thing, it's I, in my mind, it's either a prank, and the official line is, is of course, what you said it is, but, but that's as a cover, or it really is a developer's, you know, a development release of the firmware. Mm-hmm. But the thing that bothers me about that is that what else could be in there? Because you could have code that phones home or reports back or logs, you know, in, in a development release. So, that is true. you know, either way, it bothers me because it's either a prank. Well, I guess that doesn't bother me too much. That's funny from my point of view. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, hopefully no one gets fired over it. Or, as I say, if, if the, the official line is true, it, that bothers me because, yeah, what else, what else could be in there? I guess. 
Yeah, that's could where I'm be, coming from. I mean, if that's the only thing, on whether fine, or not, you know, it's just a, a standard development test, you know, it's like this is a test build of what we're going to be putting on the new machines or whether or not it's an actual developer environment, in which case it would then have all of the other stuff for, for logging and tracing and all of that sort of stuff, which you would do in the very initial stages where you're testing all of the other stuff. But it might just be a, you know, a, a test release yeah, but then so there should gone, be nothing different. No, in it's it. like if a beta build. Yeah, but this if is the beta build of it. So we've got Herp Derp in there and some other random stuff to fill in the blanks. And does this work? Yes, it does. And unfortunately, it went out when it was, yes, it does, instead of, okay, it, it works. So let's now put all of our test stuff out. There's a tweet on this. In fact, I'll, I'll show you. I'll put it. I'll put a link there on the, uh, in the show notes on boysoftech.com. That's on our website. Uh, someone tweeted, uh, Tanya Gray tweeted a, uh, how did, wait a sec, how did she get that Twitter name? Tanya. She must have signed up early. She must have. Wow, it's just Tanya. There's no numbers or it's, underscore anything. It's, it's no nothing. There's nothing. Wow. We, we should talk to this person because I, I assume she's in New Zealand. <laughs> I assume she's a New Zealander. <laughs> we might, we'll get on the podcast next week. We'll try to we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, this, yeah, this Tanya. How in the world did you get Tanya? Yeah, how we'll, did you we'll, get uh, that? Well, actually, without the, anything else, without any crazy um, <laughs> regex stuff in there, well, how did you do that? You know what? There is a website that uh, you can query to find out when someone uh, joined Twitter. So let me just do that live right now. When did Tanya join Twitter? 14 September 2008, which is really still a couple of years after it started, right? Because didn't it start in 2006 or, or even 2005? Before, was it big then? I don't no, think no, it was. No, no, it wasn't. You're right. But still, surely a... Tanya or a person would have tried to register Tanya, I would have thought. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, when did I start? Yeah, when did Edwin Herman 5263 underscore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, same. See, August. Two, here, here's the thing, Brett. Here, I risk my case. August 2008, Tanya was, uh, what did I say? September 2008. So I ran about the same time, more or less. And yeah. yet Edwin was taken because I remember because I would have taken. Ah, well, obviously and Edwin is less there are common. more Edwins who Twitter no, than no. Tanya's. <laughs> I can't believe that. I can't believe that. So why don't we talk to this Tanya next week if, if she's willing to come on the show? Yeah. Uh, and we can also quiz her about the EFPOS thing as well. But anyway, she's tweeted this image and we'll post a, a link to that on our show notes, boysoftech.com. All right. Anyway, that's it, Brett. That is our show. Episode 205. Neato. Excellent. Well, it's been a good show. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much for co-hosting, Brett. Always fun, Ed. All right, and thank you to all our listeners. Without you, it wouldn't be a show. See you all again next week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. That's right. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that uh, Twitter is actually, uh, there's a lot of, uh, Twitter, I'll start again. (laughs) Because you still don't know where you're going? No, no, I know where I'm going. I just don't know how to get, get the words out. Yeah, but uh, well, no, but I'm I'm saying yeah, but you still it'll I, what I'm. Shall I say that again with syllables? The article that broke it.
uh, broke the story for us and um, something else I don't know. I'm, 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 I've lost my words. 